The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Beyond. Beyond. Dragons on the wall. That's the wrong oh, show. This is not. not. We're Where off, am I? We're off to a bad start. Keep it everybody. real. We're not Go talking ahead. about Game Terrible. of Thrones. Hey everybody, welcome to Beyond episode 497 and a half. I don't know, it's no, 502. But, uh, but yes. there you go. It's a special <laughs> yeah. holographic I the cover. Big one. Uh, I'm Max we Scoville. All. We all did, actually. We, it's, it's a long story. I'm Max Scoville. I'm joined today by my good friends Terry Schwartz in from the LA office. Hi. Uh, Brian Altano in from, you're always here. Hey, ladies. <laughs> you piped down over there. And Jonathan Dornbush. Charmed, I'm sure. Because yeah, we got Gilded Hearts news and, and we don't know how to talk about and that. And then I, I just showed up. I've been here. Charmathan Charmbush. Yep. Charmathan Charm. Uh, like Charmander of uh, all. Beyond. All right. Thanks. There it is. You're so yeah, this is, wait for it. this is a this is a crazy hectic week. If we seem a little bit a uh, little bit fritzy, that's because uh, we are all mostly leaving for Comic Con tomorrow, and we're going to go out and do whatever it is that we do there. Terry, you're handling a stupid amount of that. You you do all the interviews and talking and the. If half of my interviews are not prepared for at Comic Con, it's because I would rather be here right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'll you... just ask them about the topics don't on today's you... show. Yeah. yeah. And we'll, well find how do you out feel about Kingdom Hearts uh... Three, <sighs> cast of Game of Thrones? We've got some pretty huge news today, guys. Uh, a lot of really big stuff coming out. For starters, Windjammers is coming to PS4 and Vita on August 29th. It's good Ooh. news. So yeah. if you missed that uh, Frisbee game, there it is. It's back. Yeah. Um, the next big eSport they're calling yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, D23 was this last weekend, and of course we got uh, we got some Kingdom Hearts news out of that. Uh, I was there. All right. I was in that panel. Yes. I talked to Tetsuya Nomura yes. and yeah. brought Jonathan back. The best the gift I could gift ever, ever give anyone. Yeah. Especially well, you two go, go at it. I, I don't know what to say about that series. Well, I don't know if you know this about Jonathan Dornbush, but he is a huge Kingdom Hearts fan. Where yeah. did you hear that? IGN.com? <laughs> Maybe, yes. I, because I read all your coverage to help prep for this <laughs> hour-long interview. That was my first translated uh, interview through a translator I've ever done. It's kind of nice. Half as many questions. It's, yeah. It is half as many questions, but it's weird because usually like eye contact is so important when you're talking to someone, and instead it would be like if I'm interviewing you, but I'm talking Talking through you, mm-hmm. I need to like I'm listening to like you talk to that person, being like. Uh-huh. I always think of it like when you're. It's like talking to a couple, and one of them's telling a funny story about the other one, and you're like, "Oh, you did do that, That's right?" right. <laughs> uh, 
but it looks great. The big announcement is that finally, at long last, a Pixar level will be in a Kingdom Hearts game, and it is Toy Story, which yeah. I noticed on the notes uh, for this Beyond episode, you <laughs> oh. said, and I quote... We don't actually address the notes on the air. <laughs> oh, That's I'm sorry. That's bad form. These, these, we can do it. These, these papers in front of us are just for decoration. I was being a crab apple yesterday morning, <laughs> and I had some mean things to say about the toys You this didn't level. like, yeah, you didn't like okay, the toy look. So I think it looks great. What's wrong? I think it looks awesome. Okay, okay, no, I'll get into yeah, this. I, I will I say, as, as a, yeah. a a current-gen Toy Story level, it looks fantastic. Sure. It looks, I would say it looks better than the original Toy Story movie. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. where we are with computer-generated imagery at this point in time. Ironically, the uh, you will get Toy Story graphics quote that was thrown around way generations and generations ago yeah. is now here. And possibly surpass it's better than yeah. Easily, Toy yeah. Story graphics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I will say that they have these sort of like action figureized versions of the the Kingdom Hearts characters who show up, uh, and I have a huge issue with this because they have been making action figures of those characters since the series was introduced, <laughs> whatever fifteen years ago at this point. Yeah. And they didn't use anything that looks like that. They don't look like action. They look like weird, like crappy mega blocks. Kind well, of. how are you going to buy the new action figures they make based exactly. on this if it looks the same? I mean, that's that is the that's, that's one the consideration. Answer. Also, I, that it takes place. Uh, it's not in one of the Toy Story movies. It takes place after Toy Story Two, which would put it, you know. Years back, so toy design has come a long way since. That's true. He got you there. He got you up against the ropes on that one. (laughs) I don't know. I'm still pretty weird about it. They're like weirdly blocky. It's like okay. So my comparison here, and I'm sure that a lot of gamers can can agree with this, is like when you see a movie and somebody's like holding a controller and they're just like moving the sticks around and like mashing the buttons, and you're like, that's not how anyone plays games. That's how I play games. As a as an action figure nerd, I'm like, "Mm -mm. no, 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 no. You don't have a head sculpt like that with articulation like that. It doesn't look good. I didn't realize that that's where you were going to take it. Mm-hmm. So I think that actually is a very interesting and valid criticism. Though I will say, I don't think like some of these toys don't look like actually actual. No, I guess that's not true. Just, like in the Toy Story movies, they do. Yeah, they generally look believable. Do. Yeah. But I think it is very playful that like these guys show up and Woody's like, "We don't recognize you as one of Andy's toys," and I'm like, "Oh, that yeah, like that's fun and makes sense." And mm-hmm is playful. Yeah, there are a couple like fun nods just in that trailer to the Toy Story universe, like whether it's like them looking up at we're going to escape out of the room through the window or just like sort of going to the Toy Store, which is I believe a different Toy Store than the one in Toy Story 2, but it's sort of that same feel. Um yeah, like I just love that there was that fan service to that film while creating something original. So, so what bums me about about this is that it's going to be buried 11 hours into a, a 70 hour game. And I won't be able to, get, to experience it. I'll have to ask yeah. one of you to like queue up a save for me, <laughs> so I can because I want to play this. I want to see this because I love Toy Story. Yeah, but Kingdom Hearts is is really obtuse and confusing to me <laughs> in 2017. I think if yeah. I was there from the jump, I'd be like, mm-hmm. yeah, bring it on. But I missed all those games. Yeah, so I don't know what's going on. I did. Is D- Donald's alive? Donald's still alive. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Goofy is still alive. They're both. Can they die in those now. games? We'll find out in three. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that could be how the game ends. That would be pretty Sacrifice sad. Themselves. Yeah, probably yeah, not. I don't mm-hmm. think but Disney would allow probably, that. Probably not. And this is when Donald Duck so, dies, <laughs> children. But, so as a, as, a, as a Kingdom Hearts fan, yeah. what's what's going on? What's the takeaway from this? Well, so uh, to that point of like, hey, this may be buried in, uh, sort of coming out of both uh, Terry's wonderful Nomura interview and then a lot of the other interviews that he did from the show, he talks a lot about how the world focus for this game is not necessarily the same amount as has been before, but just larger singular worlds like they want worlds that are more expansive and more interesting and have more unique gameplay opportunities like in this one at one point Sora starts piloting a mech toy 
and it's like in first person. It looks like Titanfall, basically. Like he can jump in and out of the mech as he pleases. And he gets from the new toy store. Yes, yeah, yeah it comes in the looks, new toy store. It sounds really cool. And it's it's very specific to that area of that world. And Nomura had talked about how like there are going to be these points of interest in every world that are sort of very specific and offer different gameplay opportunities. Uh, like, they haven't talked about the Big Hero 6 world at all, but I imagine, like, I assume you'd get to fly with Baymax at some yeah, point. Yeah, that sounds that awesome. awesome. Uh, like, the fir- the only promo image they've ever shown is Sora flying with Baymax, fighting, like, an evil Baymax. So yeah. there's there's clearly intent to have every world be very specific and very unique, but there's also, it's not going to be, I think Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 had around 12 or so. I think they're going to have less this time. Uh, yeah, that that seems to check out, because we've, yeah. we've seen the kind of the growth of, from, like, when the original games came out, there were, there were levels. That was a thing you have, and now yeah. we have, like, here are these huge expansions of worlds you look at something like like you know rise of the tomb raider that has effectively like two levels but they're you know sprawling across massive areas right. yeah um, but also disney is they have their their you know tendrils everywhere and everyone's yeah. like they're gonna have everything it's gonna be the jungle book and a goofy movie and star wars and spider-man and it's like maybe it's not you know well that's yeah. actually an interesting question uh in addition to speaking to tatsuya namura i actually did an interview with um one of their lead marketing people for the disney show the the our uh, IGN the show. ign show on disney xd which premiered which is crazy there is a tv show uh what but marketing man say the marketing man i was like i know this is greedy because people have wanted pixar forever and now you have pixar but uh what else like essentially are, are you opening the door to there also being like these new disney ips lucasfilm and and marvel and everything else he was like that is greedy but stay tuned and i think i would be uh i would expect maybe huh. we'll see some of those worlds in in some capacity when and he i say there's... when he said stay tuned was he being clever and meaning like we are gonna stay tuned cartooned and we're not going to have any live action stuff. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> they did have live action. I pirates. question everything oh, now. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine if people only spoke in puns that like might that? Be. Like, I would. That's how I would do interviews. I mean, that's some that's some like clicky clicky headlines right there. Did he spell this word when he said it out loud? I this don't know. I, that was, was like two at? days ago, yeah. but it feels like three weeks ago. So I don't remember. But, but I mean, the could thing be with that. The, so this is the first like major numbered iteration of the game. Obviously, there have been a bunch since Disney made all these acquisitions of Pixar, Lucasfilm, and Marvel. Uh, so obviously, that's been the thing. Is everyone's asking, are they going to use all of these? I think they could also use sort of Star Wars or Marvel in like summon form, uh, where like uh, Sora can. Like, for a little bit of time, call someone in from, like, a random universe. That was how they got, like, uh, Simba into the game before The Lion mm. King had a world. That's how they get sort of side characters in for things. Chicken Little was a summon in, too. <laughs> there was no Chicken Little world, but Chicken Little was a summon. So I don't like, remember yeah. that at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Canonically is, like, Simba running around Africa, and all of a sudden he just disappears he just is, yeah. and shows up, and he's got to fight, like... The dude from Hercules, yes. like without knowing, he gets. Does he get briefed? Is there contact? Sora's like, I need you in Olympus because this white-haired, beautiful dude uh, is fighting me with a giant sword, right? And I need your help. And he just has to. And then he just shows up. Yeah, he just has to show up. And he's um, like, okay. That's what I, that's who I've I never seen him. a man before, but I'll bite him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that classic symbol line. <laughs> just a regular lion. Yeah, One day this kingdom will be yours, and then other stuff occasionally, like the bed from the movie Toy Story. Now I have to explain what movies are. I've, I'm I gotta die. Bye. Uh, so you've read the leak script from the new Lion King? Read yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's on TV and art. Yeah. Gods must be crazy. Um, yeah. So other stuff that came out of uh, of D23. We got, uh, was this out of D23, the Spider-Man yeah. thing? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. They, they had a stuff games panel. Right. Where the, the uh, Kingdom up. Hearts 3. So yes. we, got a, yeah. we got a real, just a, just a real terrible Spider-Man dev diary where 
it, they don't, there's not really a lot to take away from that. So I want to give you some context for this because I was in the games panel and I also, they had two other big panels at D23. They had a live action movies panel and they had an animation panel. And for a lot of these properties that they were showing off because like Disney is like, here's everything we have that we want to market and you guys right. are the ultimate uh, Disney fans. They did a lot of dev diaries. They released one for mm. um, for The Last Jedi that wasn't really anything new but is exciting because like anytime, um, but, uh, but anytime, okay. That was a lot of new stuff. There was there. a lot of new got to see the Easter porgs. eggy things that you can find in that and also seeing those actors uh, interact in a behind the scenes setting is also like very charming and wonderful. They also released one for Toy Story 4 where basically the director like gave everyone a tour around Pixar Studio and what they were working on. It was very playful as well. So this was sort of a trend of D23 but you have criticism with dev diaries so, for video games right. versus an animated movie versus Correct. a live action movie. So I think that using behind the scenes stuff as a promotional tool is sort of somewhere between lazy and disingenuous. It's just cheating a little it's, when it's you don't like, have too much. It's to like telling somebody the idea of a thing, an idea for a thing versus actually showing them the thing. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, in the case of, I think, it, and I'm, maybe I'm biased here, but in the case of the Star Wars behind the scenes thing, it's actually behind the scenes stuff and there's new animals and characters and costumes and planets we've never seen before. And it's probably a little bit easier for them to be like, hey, we just, we filmed this while it was you also have to contextualize where you're getting that. You're getting right. that a few months after a Last Jedi trailer, a few months before the game, the movie is out specifically, uh, a, a few weeks from like the Captain Phasma sequel, prequel comic. Like right. this story gets filled out. Um, so, I remember with, the, with Mass Effect Andromeda, for example, they're like, we don't have a game yet. But here's a guy looking at yeah. some space wallpapers, <laughs> and that that sucks, right? Because yeah. that that's like, I mean, I went when I went to art school, kids would be like, I don't have a painting, but uh, I'll tell you what I'm working on, and you'd be like, dude, this is portfolio class. Like you put it on the wall, and then you walk out, and we judge it. You don't just go, I don't, I can't judge what I can't see. Spider Man, we got like a pretty awesome few minute trailer thing at the Sony press conference less than a month ago. Right. So I think that bought them enough sort of free time to go like here are the people working on the game here's our vision for it had we not seen that then sure i'd be totally with you that said we still don't have like a definitive release date we don't know there's still a lot up in the air with this thing right. so. i think there's also something to be said with d23 being what it is and e3 being very targeted to the gaming audience for these companies whereas d23 is even though it is in a gaming panel is part of a larger sort of mass audience of mm, disney right uh, and I think this may be some people's first exposure to that. And so if it's someone who loves Spider-Man but may not be playing games a ton, that gives them a little more context to that game than here's the seven-minute demo from E3. Yeah. Because they're obviously not going to do another, here's a new location a month after that one. They wouldn't sort of spoil Yeah, making a demo is something that takes like six months to a year. Yeah. Like that's yeah. just breaking out that one piece, scripting it perfectly, having someone do a perfect playthrough of it. I mean, it's you can't really knock two of those out in a month. And I think that additionally, like think about what they released for Kingdom Hearts 3 at D23 Pixar announcement you know yeah. like it's like totally feeding into that audience and and there is additional context to these um releases that we broke out within the setting of D23 where they followed with like a Q&A mm. panel where they I brought mean, people yeah, on stage that's yeah. fair what I guess what I'm getting at here and, and EA is especially guilty of this is that they maybe either they don't want to show a thing yet or they don't have a thing to show but having yeah. people sitting at their desk and talking about what they're working on it's not super exciting and at times they they almost they, they'll they'll bury the lead and they'll have something new to reveal but they don't i don't know if they don't want to take the time to polish it or if there's a, an appeal of this sort of like oh you're seeing the people behind it and i also i know that obviously uh developers don't really get a lot of face time when it comes to uh promoting their games and it's like to give them a chance to actually talk about their game is, is cool i just wish we got that after the game 
too, you know, like to see like to learn about how a game was made after the fact yeah. is so much more interesting than these sort of like puff pieces ahead of time where someone's That's like, our job. I'm so excited <laughs> about Spider-Man. Yeah. But of course, they're not going to give us, you know, FaceTime with that with well, inside of embargoes. And, and I mean, to your point about that with EA, that was the thing. I believe it was last year where they were like, here are the Star Wars games we have coming up for the next four years. But it was and Respawn's doing a thing. And, you know, there yeah. are these Star Wars games, but it, they can at most show you a piece of concept art. And right. it, the same job could almost be accomplished by a press release instead of a video. I, yeah, I agree with that. There's the production uh, to them, I see, of putting on sort of a spectacle with the video. Well, the, the, I see why. Like, between the way PR and development studios clash, uh, or at least work in a weird vacuum, yeah. is that we don't ever really get that opportunity until sometimes years later. Because you'll yeah. you'll talk to a dev in the road in, and they're like, it's all about ambition and scoping and like the hopes and dreams and like their adoration for the character and what they really want to do with the franchise and how they grew up playing Spider-Man, blah, 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 blah. Then the game launches and there's like three months of like PR and we're very excited about the launch and, you know, here's our roadmap looking forward. And then maybe two years later, they're like, Venom's tongue was really hard to make. So we didn't put him in the game. I It sucks because I love him and his tongue, but it's impossible to animate. And it, the guy quit who's going to do it, and I'm really pissed about it still. And you're like, oh, my God, where was this right. going in? Yeah. Like, EGM used to do this thing. I think it was them. Where they would basically do, like, post-morts on games with devs yeah. after the game had shipped already, the sales had already been hit. Like, all of the big, that big event was over. Yeah. And there wasn't, you know, this is back in the day where there wasn't, every game wasn't uh, this living, breathing entity that went on for four years. It wasn't this Destiny-verse, you know, games uh, Games as a living environment ecosystem. As a service. As right. That yeah. whole thing. Yeah. So it would be like the game ship. It would get its initial sales in its first three to six months through the holiday season and beyond. Uh, and then all Yum. of a sudden, there we go. <laughs> Dragons of the Wall. And then, and then like things would open up a little bit and people would start getting moved on to other projects. And you have a guy being like, hey, I'm ready to talk about this. Like Ken Levine did an interview with Glixel a couple months back where he was talking about how he was incredibly depressed making Bioshock Infinite. Yeah. And like we had Ken in... In the studio, leading up to that game, a week before it launched, he spoiled the ending to that game <laughs> standing next to me, oh and I turned God. around and I yelled at him, and I was like, hey, spoilers, Ken, I didn't make that game with you. <laughs> but he didn't come in and go like, yeah, we're really excited about this game, I'm incredibly depressed. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it doesn't yeah. happen, right? So, yeah. there, well, is I, that, there is that sweet spot for it, and we haven't really landed on so where to find it, when and I, I think say, that is more on us. Yeah, when yeah. I say these, these dev diaries are, are disingenuous, is the fact that they're not going to give you any insight to how the game's being made, because the game is being made, whereas yeah. If you, I think, had like a, a third party kind of external crew go in and document, I think that, um, God, what are they called? Uh, I'm friends with the guys, uh, Ryan O'Donnell, those guys, uh, they do, oh, they did yeah. a behind the scenes making of for I The Last of Us. Yeah. yeah. And it's like a proper, like, here's showing things being made. And, you know, there was a point in time where making a game was a thing that was done on a computer. Like, that was it. But now you watch the dev diary for, for Battlefront 2, and you've got, uh, you know, Janina jumping around in a mocap suit, and you meet these other actors, and there are actors who are physically in the game. But, like, I'd love to see something that focus on, hey, here's how you take physical people and a bunch of, like, high school gym mats and <laughs> ping pong balls, and you turn them into a video game cutscene or, you know, quick time event. I agree. That's interesting. I agree um, that it's interesting, but I think what you're missing a little bit in it is that it's not totally like here's how we teach consumers about how we made the game it's yeah. we are the marketing team and want oh, to market that like and and that's right. that's the failing like it's a it's a dev diary in the form of we don't have another trailer to show you so here's another excuse for a hype piece and i think that the reason why it feels a little disingenuous is because it is it's like yeah. here's how cool and excited you should be for everything we get these well, also, with with making sure. of featurettes for yep. movies all yeah. the time where it's <laughs> yeah. like here's how awesome charlie 
diseases, like training but for again, stunts for autonomous You're also devices. seeing a physical thing. Whereas right. if you see somebody sitting at a desk being like, man, I got all kinds of cool stuff on the computer behind me, but let me tell you how cool it is to work on Spider-Man. That's what I'm getting at, though. Yeah. Is like mm-hmm. There is a way to do behind-the-scenes stuff and have it be interesting. And you're like, oh, here's where they're trying something new, but to be like... I sure am excited to be working on a game. It's like, well, I'm excited to play your game. The thing that draws me to it is the uh, fantasy realm escapism that you are creating from the ground yeah. up, mm-hmm. and you're in an office. I think yeah. what one of the major issues here is that um, gamers are incredibly unforgiving with seeing stuff that doesn't actually make it into the final game. Yeah. Whereas, like, how many movie trailers have you seen? Look at Rogue One. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. the trailers for Rogue One, there's... Don't there's exist 80% in the movie. of the shots in those trailers yeah. aren't in the movie. Was the and it was the way. number one movie yeah. of the year, right? And it, it, it won IGN's movie of the year, and we all walked out of it being like, Rogue One was great. And a couple of us were like, yeah, but what about that scene where she's on the plank and the TIE fighter comes up? Ah, don't worry about it. What a good time. Ooh. They had to send that email to that fish, and he's in the chair, and it spins. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> but gamers are like... Like, Peter Molyneux comes out, and he's like, you'll be able to plant a tree in my game, and it become like a forest and people are like oh really i can't do that i'm gonna kill you that's a a good point but also to that point i think with and you were speaking sort of about how games have this huge like long tail now i think developers are reticent to say things because it might go in the game then like because they're still working on these games now for years with post-release content or working into the sequels that are kind of building off the originals so much more than they were yeah i feel i feel like hey i don't want to tell you that venom's tongue didn't work because we might put him in spider-man we might put him we might be working on him for so i I would be so fascinated maybe this is something we can spearhead we're workshopping here but i'd be fascinated in a video series that focuses on what developers couldn't get into their games yeah you know just like just it's something that just missed it right and i I mean, you look at No Man's Sky, they overpromised and underdelivered was the running theme. Even if you did like that game in the end, and I did like a lot of it, people took those guys to war because there was so much they said you could do that wasn't actually feasible or capable. And even if they patch it in years later, it feels too late. So, yeah, it's just a, it's really weird because we demand so much information constantly. And then when we get it, it's either too much because it's not what we actually get in the end or uh, they under deliver and we don't get exactly what we want. So I think through all promotional mediums and the fact that now we have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, there's a billion different ways to tell that story as you go in and there's leaks. Uh, we have not found the perfect sweet spot about how to market something correctly, keep investors happy, keep fans happy and not let anyone down. <laughs> right. uh, so yeah, I'm glad that's not my problem to solve. <laughs> that sounds hard as hell. <laughs> All right, so in other exciting news this week, this just happened, was this this morning, I think? Yeah. Um, yeah. Aaron Flynn is leaving Bioware after 17 years. Uh, general manager worked uh, on, how did this, who, Marty wrote this in here. He didn't finish the <laughs> sentence. Uh, meanwhile, Classic. Casey Hudson is coming back as general manager, who was the director of KOTOR, Mass Effect, the trilogy, uh, and uh, began production on Anthem before leaving for Microsoft. So I guess he's coming back to work on Anthem? He was there for a very, very long time. And yeah. He left a, what, two or three years uh, ago? 2014, yeah. and then they, he announced that he was working with Microsoft in 2015, uh, primarily on HoloLens, and he spoke a bit about that in his uh, sort of blog post on Bioware, that like, hey, I've had all these new experiences and learned a ton by working with different technology, but I realized sort of my home is here. Yeah. And especially, I think, with obviously having that connection for him with Anthem, and now that that's sort of what the studio is focusing on, I can see him wanting to come back for mm-hmm. sure. I think this is a huge booster shot for for Bioware fans. Absolutely, oh, yeah. had some kind of a slump after Andromeda, especially. Um, you know, in the end of end of Mass Effect Three, just, they kind of they kind of they're kind of cursed in a lot of ways. And, you know, hardcore fans uh, who get mad at them and send them hate cupcakes. That was a thing. Um, but yeah, Anthem is like a kind of a fresh start. And if if Casey, Casey Hudson was working on this, like that could be really cool. Yeah, Anthem I'm, looked yeah. awesome. Yeah, I'm really into this game. Oh yeah. 
And I love that, again, in the notes that I can't address, there's like, does this mean that Bioware will make more Star Wars games? Like that he's You can address that, that yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think everyone everyone obviously wants that. Um, yeah. I think the, the announcement of Anthem was like, it's cool, but everyone's also like, oh, it's, it's kind of like Titanfall Destiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone's like, where's where's KOTOR? Where's a Bio, where's a Bioware Star Wars game? Like, we were just talking about over-promising to me. Like, my favorite shot in the Anthem trailer is when, you know, you're up and you're jumping down and there's that seamless shot into the water and, like, yeah. how yeah. gorgeous yeah. that was. Yeah. And, and as someone who's played, like, not as many hours as many in Destiny, but still more than, like, I usually put into a game, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, there are so many points where you're running through those environments and you lose the luster of it because this is just, okay, I've run through this Venus Patrol so many times that now I'm just running to these things. And, like, that Anthem trailer was so stunningly beautiful that my first thought was, well, how many playthroughs is it going to take before I'm just like, oh, okay, here's where I'm going yeah. to put it there. Like, you lose <laughs> yeah. that well, magic. I mean, also what's interesting is that, obviously, you look at the, the games that Casey Hudson's like famous for these are single player experiences that are entirely story heavy and they're all about like player choice and interaction with the kind of with a world that's you know alive but not full of other people and their avatars and we're looking at anthem and it's like a you know it's a kind of mmo type game Mm -hmm. so like where does story fall with that obviously destiny has a story but in terms of like are you gonna be (laughs) (laughs) Um, you can do that this is an opinion-based podcast you can laugh at destiny story came from the moon it's okay uh but yeah like i don't is is this gonna be moving away from kind of bioware's like bread and butter of like story games or is this you know what what happens i don't know I mean, I'd be shocked if it didn't have a heavy story element in it. I mm. think also, though, the, I, the greatest thing about these sorts of games where it is that MMO, but still you have your focus, uh, like your single player focus, uh, the stories you create by playing, whether it's on your own or just with other people running into friends or random encounters, I think someone with that much history of creating stories that have those many variables, even if it was single player, probably has a pretty good intuition about how to build into that. Sure. And obviously we've seen, you know, Bungie's take on that. I would love to see what Bioware's take specifically with Casey Hudson looks like in that field. Yeah, I think that'd be, that could be really cool. Because obviously, like, I mean, I played Destiny at the beginning and the fact that it was so kind of devoid of story was one of the things that turned me off. Um well, I think the thing that uh, I'm interested, I mean, the Destiny betas, Destiny 2 beta starting, I can't, well, we have Comic-Con. Yeah. At some point, eventually, I'm going to get in on it. And I think that they probably learned a lot of lessons there. And I'm interested to see how Bioware, like, learns from sort of the story issues or not within Destiny. Because there were things like the Grimoire cards, like, you could follow the story down as far right. as you want. But the simple mission-based elements of Destiny meant that, like, I just ignored all the dialogue and I was like, okay, following objectives, killing these guys, like killing this boss, doing this over yeah. and over and over again that you totally like lose and don't need that. And then you could tell that Destiny was another game that um, like Rogue One sort of was patched together and there were these concepts that they didn't end up using yeah. but still ended up in the game and so they don't really make sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that the later expansions like definitely did a better job of having interesting, compelling stories. They fixed it in post. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think like it's funny. Uh, I love Kirk Hamilton's uh, coverage of Destiny uh, at Kotaku because he'll find like these like three grimoire cards that are connected and tell this like crazy story about this gun. And like I think that's super clever and Easter eggy. Yeah. But I hope that Anthem and like Destiny Two and and more games that follow this model do a better job of having that a bit more in your face instead of just you can find it if you care enough to look. I right. think I mean the, yeah. the, the Horizon baz- had a good balance of that too. Yeah, right? the, yeah. the Bazooka Joe universe is is massive and full of wonderful characters, but you have to chew a lot of bubble gum to right. really unlock all those. You can throw it out. <laughs> but you're wasting all that gum. <laughs> the animals eat it out of the garbage. It's, it's not terrible. my favorite gum. Helps their teeth. 
Get out of, I want to get kicked out of a, like an animal sanctuary for giving all the deer gum. I actually don't know a lot about the way garbage animals grow their teeth. Oh my God, now I'm just thinking about Okja. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, other there's a bunch of release dates floating around. Uh, GT Sport is coming out October 17th. Uh, this is the what first non-numbered Gran Turismo entry. Like I've never cared for that series. I remember of them, yeah. Yeah, this is the first one coming to PS4, I believe. Yeah. Uh, they were like... They put out like a you know like a point five version on on PS3 and they're always gorgeous and they like they do a lot of good jobs with the cars. I don't cars. know much about the cars, but this has PS cars. PSVR support, which is like kind of awesome. Yeah, uh, getting in a very nice car in PSVR and driving it around sounds interesting. But it sounds like it, I'm gonna get motion sickness. Is what um, it, like. <laughs> it yeah, it definitely happens. Like I got I got a little ill playing some stuff in Drive Club. Uh, you had to basically move. Like you had to go into the settings and really make that comfortable. Um, it was also a very low res game at launch, mm. um, which I think like was a little better with pro support. And I think they patched later on too, but um, that's a distractingly bad thing is like low res VR isn't, isn't looking great, but these guys have sort of a pedigree of making good looking stuff. So I imagine that won't be the issue. Yeah. Uh, GT Sport looks gorgeous. Yeah. Like I, I'm not a big Gran Turismo fan. I just never got into the series, but I want to play this game just to watch it. Like it looks so pretty. I mean, they've always they've always been like, hey, we made the most realistic car. It was always what is it, the, the most realistic driving simulator out there or something? And then of course it's a simulation, so it's like that's that means it's not it's not fun. It's serious. Like well, I was like, like I did an interview with the guys working on the new Need for Speed game uh, at E3, and the the major sort of core difference between their game and and GT is that you can just completely destroy the cars yeah. in Need for Speed, and that's kind of fun and at working with a lot of big brands a lot of big car manufacturers are like please do not hurt our two hundred thousand dollar car and you're like it's fake <laughs> and i want to crash into a tree because it's cool yeah you know like Those i, I want to get in a high I speed crash truck. into a tree because i am bad at yeah games. i don't watch <laughs> a fast and furious movie to see them take care of the car nice yeah, yeah. exactly they do crazy stunts that's so you want to see car damage and stuff like yeah. that but i mean there are like two types of people are the people who are like the, uh, us at this table who've never played a single one of those games and there are the people who are like I built a cockpit at home. Yeah. <laughs> There's a car in my living room. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. sounds like they're they're sort of trying to go after like the Forza crowd because there is an arcade mode in there. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't think there's a crash into everything you want mode, but. I think they, 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 I hope they've added, you know, like damage physics. So if you like hit the car, I remember playing like a demo disc on like PS1 of one of the, one of the GT games and just being like, I'm going to get this car going real fast and I'm going to just drive into something and it would just be like, boom. I was like, what the, what the <laughs> hell is that? Um, in completely different uh, <laughs> release dates, Nidhogg 2 is coming out August 15th. Um, do you guys know Nidhogg at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love this game. I was thinking about this. I think the first Nidhogg might be one of my favorite games of the last decade. Mm-hmm. I love that game. That is like, it's it's, it's incredibly weird. Have you seen this? No, I haven't. It's like, if you had, um, I would say, like, I don't know, modern frame rate and uh, controls for an Atari fencing game. Yeah. <laughs> and it's incredibly gory, but there are like four colors. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but it's just this. It's like violently bloody 8-bit jousting and, and fencing. Yeah. And you basically just drop two controllers in, at a party and two people will pick it up and they just start stabbing each other to death over these landscapes uh, and monsters will come out and kill them every now and then. And then it ends. And you're like, oh, great. It's, it's, it's basically got the philosophy of like a very old school arcade game. But uh, looks great on your big screen TV. Yeah. I have to tell you, like, so games is like a fairly young medium compared to something like film and TV. Sure, right? really? And so no, they were the first. I think they were the first. No, I just think it's so interesting, uh, especially like with 
indie games like having more and more places to be released more and more people can make these like the continued trend of just like a remix on classic arcade titles and things that we have nostalgia for it's very much clear that nostalgia is like running hollywood and, yep. and running the games industry and i like i just started playing stardew valley for the first time because Apparently, I just missed that it was available, like if in the PlayStation Store, and I'm yeah. like, yes, okay, fine. That's where I, I first played it too. Yeah. yeah, and I just, I know, I love, I love that trend. And I think it's fun because you see all these remixes of people taking things they loved when they were younger and started getting into games and tr- giving it a new twist, mm-hmm. and and it's great. Well, with like with Ninhog, I think it at a glance it can look like oh, it's a retro game thing, but the way it came to be, I believe the guy who made it, or uh, one of the one of the creators, uh, it was a. I think a psychology, I, I might be totally wrong here, but this game was originally put on this thing called the Winatron, which was an open source uh, arcade cabinet only for indie games. And it, they had to be, the, the Winatron was originally in, in Winnipeg, and then they kind of like, it was basically a, you know arcade cabinet with like kind of a main box inside of it, but people would put their, their indie games on there. And they had to be games that could be played in public. Like they had to be in a public place, like in a bar or you know someplace where there's parties. We had one at, um, at Rev3 Games, my old outlet, that uh, Anthony Carboni put together, and he brought it to like the Wild Rumpus at GDC. And people would be gathered around this, this hideous cabinet and playing these weird games that nobody had heard of. And so it was this wonderful kind of like, like alternate timeline in the same way that Hotline Miami is like, here's what a Super Nintendo game would look like if 3D graphics had never happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Nidhogg would be on that, and for the longest time I was like, how do I play this game? And it you couldn't have it. Like, it had to be on one of these arcade cabinets, and eventually it came to Steam and then came to PS4, and then I would play it all the time at parties at my house, and I love the kind of the simplicity of it, and it manages to be gruesome without having... It's Again, it has, like, four colors, which is really weird. Uh, the new version is like a complete complete departure from the original the it art looks, style is totally it's yeah hideous <laughs> it looks it's, i way prefer the original yeah. i i do yeah. too but I'm, it, the new one's kind of growing on me. oh it totally grew on me yeah. it's, it's, i haven't seen enough or like played it at all it yet, looks like so. if you made like a super nintendo game based on like really cutesy claymation okay like treasure trolls kind of vibe but then okay. there's guts like they've added like more. What they used to be just swords, and now they've got like bows and arrows. It actually looks like when you see, and we have one of these hanging in the office. But it looks like when somebody does like a very realistic and gritty painting of like Super Mario World, mm-hmm. and like Mario and the Peach are like they both have like weird facial hair. Yeah, and every buzz list. Yeah, <laughs> and like Yoshi's like this disgusting actual T Rex. It looks like someone did that kind of art of the first game, and the art director of this game was just like. You're hired. Yeah, <laughs> we'll make that the game now. It, like, looks, it just looks like a perversion of like a European T-shirt from the seventies. Yeah, like an old Olympics mascot that's been left in a cave too long, and now yeah. it just kills. I really like uh, it. It's weird. I'll play that. And it's yeah. got it's got like character customization, so you can have like weird, you know, funny hair, and you you're all these just these these they look like they all look like Mr. Bogus that old like yeah. claymation cartoon mascot thing. So yeah, it's, I think it's like the you know the original game is pretty much perfect in what it set out to do. And if you don't like the the art in the new one, just go play that. Yeah, it's still but there. Uh, if you want. Yeah, give this one a chance. It's one of my favorite sort of like sort of couch co-op versus games yeah. in, in the last few years. It came out really right around that era where there were like a dozen great one of those. Yes. Around the time of Towerfall, yeah. mm-hmm. also in a few others. Yeah, and, it's, yeah, I'll be interested to see how it takes over the office like the first one did. We just had <laughs> people crowding around screaming. We had to actually tell people to stop. You're going to update <laughs> your overcooked yeah. stations with uh, Nidhogg. Oh, I stations. love that game. Overcooked so fun. Yeah. Nidhogg, uh, so if you've never played it, go get that because it's the it's the best. You telling um, me or are you telling everyone? everybody? You got to get okay, get okay, yeah, right. get that You're get like, that Nidhogg. Get it. Leave our show right now. <laughs> go get it. Don't, don't get it. Don't right do Comic Con. Just like, yeah. go play it. Like Nine dollars. It's great. <laughs> um, so anyway, I hopped over to our wonderful Facebook group, which is facebook.com/slash/group/slash/podcast/beyond. If you want to be a be a friend, do it. Make the groups. dot com. Friends. dot groups. <laughs> Number one group website. <laughs> <laughs> Groups/slash/net. dot com. <laughs> um, 
Jared Proctor said any new information about the Avengers game? Anything? No, nothing. No, you guys. We hope, but well, yeah, for we, D23. But you no. never know if there was going to be anything. But yeah, and when that original announcement was made with Square, they kind of implied that there might be multiple projects. So we don't actually know what the Avengers game will end up being. Mm. But yeah, no well, new information. That's a ways out. But we did get this thing called Marvel Powers United, God. which is an Oculus VR game. That uh, so far no news about coming to anything else. It probably is an Oculus exclusive. It is a co-op VR game where you play as Marvel characters. I played it. Really? Okay, talk and about it. Yeah. Who did you play as? Hulk. Okay. <laughs> and it was so much fun. Really? <laughs> it was so much fun. So okay, so I don't own any VR systems, and I really haven't played much VR because I'd much rather just like buy a nice meal for myself or a good cocktail than like buy right. an expensive VR system. Yeah. Four hundred dollar yeah, meals are you sorry. eating? <laughs> sorry. Well, all of them. I live in Los Angeles. Right. No, I'll like, take oh, your you seven thousand year old scotch. <laughs> no, it's like you want a taco? Here you go. Here's like the most craft cock. There was yeah. a place in the, in my neighborhood that was called the Urban Taco Fabricator. So yeah. This is oh what God. Los Angeles is. My favorite. I'll have a mint julep with a Tiffany bracelet. <laughs> <Yeah. off>. I <laughs> often. I, I, on the top. Everything I often face that dilemma place. of mortgage versus margarita. <laughs> there, yeah. Margarita so, always wins. So I have not played much uh, VR for yeah. context, but um, playing this on Oculus, I played as the Hulk, and it was just like so much fun. There were many different moves you could do, but all I did was Hulk smash things because my long range attack, you like hold down every button and you just like hit the ground. So is this is this first person? Are so you yeah, like okay, so in? You are context. the. Yeah. So there are is, you the Ruffalo? <laughs> I am the. But but they aren't. That's like, her secret. <laughs> they aren't quite the designs. It's not like MCU. It is Marvel characters. And I think they've, they've announced there are going to be more characters. Um, so I don't think that they're all just going to be MCU ones. But the ones that we could play as uh, were the Hulk, Captain Marvel, and Rocket Raccoon. And I was like, obviously, I want to be Hulk. Sorry, Captain Marvel. I know you're right. a lady. And so you start off, and you're in this like space station. And again, they said there would be a story explaining why you're here, what you're doing. And, uh, and I got to... Um, you like have lockjaw and he teleports you down and you, you but there's like this scale element to it where I was like petting Rocket's head. That's while how a lot of people get levels. lockjaw. Yeah. <laughs> or like or, or yeah, I don't know. It's just really nice. funny nice. encountering. It's a little rabies joke for you guys. Kind <laughs> 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 of fit one or two in a day and that's the quota. <laughs> but but it was funny because, you know, like Rocket when you're playing as Rocket, like Hulk is huge. Right. Like, I was gonna ask yeah. you about that. I, I'm looking down, I was like, you guys are so small. No. Oh, I was reading a preview of that. Someone who played as Rocket they were like, yeah, I was small looking up at my friend who was the Hulk. They have right. uh, they have one That's of the most so funny, one yeah. of the most wonderfully fake trailers for this. Like they always do that thing where yeah. they're like, here's like the, the old switch, the switch commercials where it's like, oh, Karen's bringing her switch to the rooftop party, and you're like, no adult woman would ever do that. And here we are. But this is like a lady's like she's like finishing painting this like cool mural, and then she puts on her headset, and this guy comes home from a business trip and takes off his bags and he puts on his headset. I'm like, who are you, like weird? House yeah. models, and like nobody's. I, come on, it's well, that's VR, like the you know? original Wii. The Wii trailers yeah. were always just like the guy playing Red Steel, and he like swings the sword, and suddenly he becomes like a samurai with yeah. guns, and, and like his yeah. perfect white family is jumping over the couch, <laughs> yeah. like whoa, yeah. we're all ninjas. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it feels it feels a lot like that. But it, when the guy puts on the, the 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 mask and becomes Rocket, then it like shrinks down, and that's like. That's really interesting to me. Like yeah. the scale. So you were think about crazy like the, game the, the breadth of characters in the Marvel universe and yeah. how they can really play around. So what I love about that is like playing, having played uh, PSVR stuff in multiplayer settings with stuff like you know the Werewolf Then or uh, you know Star Trek. When there are people that you know in real life and they're playing somebody else in the game, but they're moving and they're talking with their voices. There's something incredibly 
brain breaking and hilarious <laughs> about that. Like playing like Werewolf Within with someone like Alana, who is a woman who is just like this like weird like sixty five year old like evil looking sort of like Arabian man, <laughs> and she's like she's like oh hi Brian, and I'm like oh who's that guy? <laughs> or like playing with like Max and John, and one of them was like a woman at like a female Vulcan yeah. in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Oh, it just totally breaks you. So I think the idea of like me being a tiny rocket raccoon or Max being a very short raccoon, and then me being like this giant Hulk or seeing you it's seventy like feet tall. As yeah. much as I know, I love right? it. Yeah. 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 I really hope this comes well, to it's, PSVR. It's the entire goof behind the new Jumanji movie, where it's like you're this, you're yourself, but you're in a body of somebody else, and it's just, yeah. It's I odd wonder if it will because isn't it developed like specifically with Oculus? Yeah, yeah. It's actually it's uh it's Sanzaru Games uh who did the last slide. like Hooper yeah. game. Yeah, they did the last slide. Yeah, game. I mean, never say never with that stuff because I like. You with, guys know better than I. Do. Well, yeah, like Super Hot's one of those games yeah. that was synonymous with other platforms for a long time, and now it's coming to PSVR. It could be so. a timed exclusive too. Yeah, who knows? Um, yeah, that sounds interesting. So when you were playing, were you sitting down or are you standing, standing. up? Okay. okay, and it's. I I guess I'm curious how this how this plays out with. Were there like were you in like a room near other people or was yeah, it different so they stations? Yeah, stations, but okay. I don't know like how that transitions to your bedroom and like yeah. can you play with you know. I think you can play like by yourself, but you can also play with multiple people. Uh-huh. How many people can you bring in? But well, that's it. That's the weird thing about this, and just like the the games I just mentioned, is like they are fantastic in theory at events. Uh, you know, if there was like VR arcades, it'd be great there too. But the idea of like getting home and coordinating four people in, let alone the same house, but in multiple different places to all line up their VR headsets at the same time and play a game, it's just hard to do, especially with the fact that you know Sony still over a year in has made or close to a year and has made it sort of difficult to a buy one and b really sell people on why they need a psvr so like i think multiplayer stuff in vr is brilliant and it works really well if you get it right but it's just so hard to coordinate right now Mm -hmm. and i hope it's something that just gets easier yeah um, so speaking of which, Nick Hedrick says, if Sony was to release updated move controllers for the VR, would that be something interesting for you, or would you feel jaded by the late edition? I'd uh, feel jaded. Yeah? Yeah. I think it's something that has to go, it has to work synonymously with um, the sort of revision PSVR 2, or whatever yeah. whatever that is down the line. Yeah, I, I don't think see like a full-on hardware revision across the board with everything. Yeah, I don't think we'll get one without the other yeah. at this point. I mean, the fact that we we're using controllers from like 2012, 2013, right out the gate with PSVR, I think it was already just a bad move. It defeated the entire sort of crux of what this thing was, which was a brand new way to play games. People like the gun, right? Yeah, no, the, the gun's cool. Yeah. It's cool. So what do you do with it? <laughs> My like very more. like technical. There's like, like four games. People for like yeah. the gun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the working point, title right? for America. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's 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 a good point. We were talking about this. There was the the was it Amazon Prime Day where they're like the the cheap things are slightly cheaper, and you're like, oh okay. And I think PSVR there was a bundle on sale, and it was like it. Did it include the camera? There was something about that. We, yeah. we, just, we did a thing where we're like, oh, that's right. You still have to buy the camera separately. It straight up does not work if you do not have the camera. Mm-hmm. Like it, it needs that to function, and that doesn't come in the box for some very stupid reason. Meanwhile, Oculus is cutting the price of the, the VR with the, with the move controllers left and right. So, like, I don't know. It's... I don't know where VR is right now. I think we'll, we'll see a price drop for PSVR by the end of the year. Yeah. I've been saying oh, yeah. that for a while, but yeah. it's got to happen this year. Uh, Malin Hayes says, what do you hope from the Planet of the Apes game? I completely forgot about this. This got announced yeah. at New York Comic Con. By Andy Serkis, right? Yeah. 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 I uh, remember this. He, uh, it was such a weird thing. He said back in 20, uh, 2016, uh, you we're working on something. It's the Imaginarium, which is his sort of studio. 
Um, and he was like, we're working on it. It's a companion to the movie. It's not based on, like, it's not adapting the movie. Uh, but that was all they would say about it. And then it has been absolute radio silence since. Yeah, nothing. Uh, and we actually, because the movie came out, we're checking into it. We haven't heard, learned of anything yet, but we're trying to find out if this at all exists. My assumption is... Uh, because he had said it's not a first-person shooter, so my assumption was it was some kind of VR experience mm-hmm. in the way that a lot of studios have been doing. There was the Dunkirk VR thing. There was Spider-Man Homecoming VR. That seems like the most logical thing, but they were saying it was coming to PC and consoles. I if think. I can ride a horse and look down and see some hairy monkey arms holding a gun, I'm that, all in. That's, that's all fine. you need? That's all yeah. I need. Just do that. Just have well, me trot across the land. He just yeah. needed to wait until the... Because like, this uh, latest War for the Planet of the Apes is sort of the end of a trilogy yes. right. that yeah. is like the Caesar <clears> story, and I'm sure that Andy Serkis will remain involved because he has just been so important in the development of motion capture but maybe yeah. he just needed to like be done with that project and yeah. mm-hmm. that project to really get his studio I think there's still yeah. room for a game like this to come out if it isn't directly tied to the movie I mean people when people are like what's your favorite video game movie video game of all time most people say GoldenEye and people forget that that game came out two or three years mm-hmm. after the movie did yeah uh so I could wait a few years, but also, like, again, don't tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I'm always totally happy. I never want uh, games, even slightly tangentially related to a movie, to be tied to the movie release. No, we're like, past that point. Yeah, it, it, it never benefits the There's game. There's too many moving parts. Yeah, now. like, if they had tried to make the Insomniac Spider-Man game come out this year, wouldn't have worked. Like, and oh, they are no. very yeah. adamant that, like, it is not related to the MCU yeah. yes, Spider-Man yeah. at all. Yeah. Like, I mean, and that's get, fine with yeah. me, but it? just Spider-Man becomes more in vogue. Arkham like, Asylum helps everyone. came out right around the time Dark Knight, like yeah. Yeah. we're kind of like writing that, but it was it was you know it's Batman, it's dark, but it's yeah. nowhere near the same universe. Totally. Well, and there were all uh, those reports of a canceled Dark Knight game. Uh, yeah, around it, that it time too. That weird, it got that game loft like mobile game. Too. Yeah, I game think that ended up happening. But I remember there was going to be sort of like a console game. I think was the reports uh, which got canned, especially after Arkham came yeah. out. And everyone I mean, saw how I think well aside from from kids stuff like like cars or whatever, I think we're kind of done seeing like licensed movie tie-in games. Which if is, you do, it's on mobile. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or it's just Kingdom Hearts. Yes, yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, similar but different. Yeah, or Lego Dimensions or whatever. Yeah, um, which I'm I'm kind of cool with. I like that sort of modular approach. Can yeah, I also the look. Yeah. Ask has anyone else seen more for the Planet of the Apes? No, no but I really want to. I really want to. It's so good. I had to go see so the Big Sick again. So not only are those some of my favorite <laughs> movies of like the last ten uh-huh. years, but yeah. they are some of my favorite movies of all time. Like when I was a kid, I was super into Planet of the Apes. I've only seen the first, like the original Planet of the Apes, the 2001. Yes. No, actually, my because that one was coming out and my mom was like uh-uh you have to watch the heston one right yeah. and then i did yeah. but weirdly enough uh like some people have the simpsons like uh, uh planet of the apes thing is their mm-hmm. big thing yeah uh, mine is Spaceballs. whenever i think okay. of sure planet yeah. Of the apes, yeah i just think of whoop there I, goes the planet well like, i think it's one of those it's one of those movies that like uh you've seen through you've seen scene by scene through pop culture uh, and some pe- some people have never seen the original, but feel like they have. You know, I was like that with The Godfather a while. Mm-hmm. I know I'm letting down a lot of Italians in my family, but where I just saw that movie through watching other movies and parodies and you know and satire. And then when I finally watched the movie, I was like, oh, this is a totally different thing. But yeah. all the all of the serious moments in this movie mm-hmm. are lost on me because they are jokes and other things. Right. Like the big reveal at the end of Planet of the Apes that everyone's known about for decades now has been mocked. Yeah. Up and down across everything. Oh, yeah. well, I think it's what's so musical. interesting like, yeah. about these um, apes movies, like Dawn and uh, Rise. And- no, no, specifically Dawn and oh, War, yeah. is that um, they are so serious and yeah. dark. And like War for the Planet of the Apes, it's in the title. It is a war movie. There are concentration camps. Like there is horrible, horrible, horrible things happening here. And I like, I just love that 
it takes it there because yeah. you start watching these movies and you're like, oh, these are a bunch of damn dirty apes. Oh, no, they're just characters in yeah. some of the most yep. beautiful CGI motion mm-hmm. capture you've ever seen. No, seriously, I, I rewatched the, the first two this weekend and like I'm quietly, I think that's probably the best trilogy we've gotten in quite some time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm sort of the same way. Like I, I've actually had never, I've never seen any of the, the other movies, but I watched The Simpsons constantly growing up and I don't know, there's, you get that thing where I'm like, have I seen that? I'm like, no, I actually haven't. I just have seen all the pieces of it. I've seen, the, you know, there's a scene in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back that's like a Planet of the Apes montage. Yeah. And I feel like, I'm like, I remember a part where I, you know. Now everybody should watch the original. It's yeah. just gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. And I was, it uh, I was, stands up. I had a friend who just, he would, he was kind of like you in a lot of ways. Like he would just, Brian, he would just, he watched all the TV. And I was like, when do you do that? And he, you know, he was like an AP student in high school. And I'm like, when do you find time for this? He's like, I just uh, TiVo a lot of stuff. I'm like, do you sleep? He's like, not as much as Andrew Goldfarb. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Andrew Goldfarb also does that. But yeah, but he, one time he just, he gave me a synopsis of every single of the Planet Planet of the Apes movies. And he kept like adding them. And then there's Return to the Revenge of the Death of the Planet of the Apes, where (laughs) they're all senators. I'm like, you're kidding. He's like, that's, nope, that's actually no. beneath the return of the future yeah, of the planet. Of the <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I, I like the fact Which that could it could be a real title. You're like, yeah, no, that one. They're mostly there's a there's a human baby and they're trying to figure out what to do with it. And I'm like, no, you're totally messing with me. No, our that's an actual se- thing. Our senior <laughs> editor, Scott Kalora, is like that. He has like an encyclopedic knowledge that you can read all on IGN because he's written so many pieces about planet of the <laughs> oh, yeah. tied to war and like explaining all like the connections that there's. I don't know. It's it's yeah. really funny. Well, but marathoning those movies is a good idea uh, for the meantime because you won't be playing that video game. Yeah, ever exactly. because there literally isn't a screenshot <laughs> or even a developer. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. pretty weird. I like yeah. to think that Andy Serkis is just like we did a bunch of mocap of me in this in the monkey just suit. Turn just it into a game. The game. Game. Yeah. Please? It could be a yeah. game or a show or a Happy Meal toy. I, I want to be an ape some more. In the meantime, go play. Uh, was it Enslaved? Where you played the monkey in the Odyssey to the West? Yeah. 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 There you yeah. go. Really, nothing like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's Andy Serkis, and he well, plays. We're giving an ape two man. options. You can binge all the old movies or do this. Perfect. Close yeah. enough. Uh, speaking of uh, weird old crap from the seventies, uh, Carlos L. Arredondo says, "What do you guys think of the new Atari?" Uh, which we got this, there's an Atari, what's it called, like the Atari box or something? It's it's Atari announced that they're making a new little sort of classic console, sort of akin to yeah, an, like NESB. an NES yeah. classic. But well, it's got modern specs. Right. So that's the really interesting thing. So yeah. it's, they're basically pitching it that it can play modern games. Now, modern specs... Uh, could mean it has the guts of an iPhone 6. It could mean it has the guts of a Switch or a PlayStation 6. No one knows. But what do you do with an Atari game when you have modern specs? Is um, the question. I think the same thing you do with a virtual console game when you have something like Breath of the Wild or a PlayStation 1 game when you have Metal Gear Solid 5. It sits there uh, and you don't play it. Yeah, it's going to be the most <laughs> stunning Pong you've ever seen. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't, I don't know who this is for exactly. I it's, want like yeah. the realistic, like updated Pong where it's like the paddles are. Like I would love that. They're just blood. Yeah, especially a David Lynch horror film. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody in PlayStation is shaking their boots over this thing. This is going to be a sort of like very small group of people will, will want to yeah. get this thing. Seems like kind of a hipster um, Ouya. Like yeah, the, the, yeah. I mean, that yeah. said, it's like a pretty gorgeous looking console design. Like, I actually, I think, like, in terms of modernizing that sort of weird old uh, wavy wooden box that they used to put out, they called an Atari. I never had one growing up that was, like, just before me. Um, it's, a, it's a cool new design, but I don't know who that's for. 
uh, like well, everything else. It's interesting. We were talking about it a little bit on GameScoop because I've just infected all of your podcasts since I'm up here pre-Comic-Con this week. There we go. Uh, and it does feel like maybe it's just capitalizing on the success of the NES Classic and the soon-to-be SNES Classic that I keep updating the pre-order link. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, please let me pre-order this, mm-hmm. please. Um, you can buy a book about it. Yeah. You just can't perfect, buy the actual thing. Perfect. Um, but I think it's for... The parents who grew up with Atari who want to educate those their kids on retro games, but like how many working Ataris yeah. are there left that are not infinitely expensive? Also, those, so, right. those, those kids are now like, Mom, I'm 30. I got a PS4. It's <laughs> but cool. But what like Sam and Justin and Damon were talking about is like beyond Pong, how yeah. many Atari games are there actually Dragon out the there that you want to right. that you want to play? In an Atari, box. and that's the thing yeah. right, that so a lot of people NES forget. Games, yeah. So yeah. The, the NES, SNES, the PlayStation One; those libraries have aged significantly better than the Ataris. Oh, and yeah. I've tried, I've tried, um, and we've gotten retro consoles sent to us here at the office that are sort of like the NES Mini, but with Atari games. Um, the control mechanisms on a lot of those are incredibly obtuse. They vary from sort of model to model. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like there used to be overlays and like weird dip switches and all yeah. this other nonsense. They just haven't aged very well. Yeah. Like I think that like i mean there have been a lot of really bad indiana jones games but the one for the atari is <laughs> it's basically a rectangle with a top hat getting hit by like circles <laughs> i just want them to just release like the, films. The, the et game on this in the same way that they're doing star fox 2 for the snes like everyone who's like <laughs> learned about the myth of this et game through like finding the yeah. dump site yeah. or whatever like here's your chance to play i know it. <laughs> i know well i mean i yeah. think there's like the the uh, sort of ir- unironic like i'm playing the worst game ever <laughs> i think realistically this thing probably has some like android guts or like a raspberry pi type thing inside it and people are probably going to mod it within 24 hours and then they're like hey it's a it's a really pretty little you know uh, emulator box that you can run stuff out of um, Stephen Cothran has a good question though. He says, "Do you ever see third-party consoles, i.e., not PlayStation, Microsoft, or Nintendo, ever gaining ground in modern gaming times?" With the announcement of the Atari, blah blah blah. Uh, wondering if there's space in the market for more than three main home, home consoles. What do you guys think? I don't know about main home consoles. Yeah, the, the, you run into two major issues. One, you either need to have every significant third-party game. Or you need to have the most stellar first-party lineup in the world. And without like significant development costs being thrown at it, you can't have the best first-party first party lineup, right? Look at like Nintendo. They've lived very strong for a very long time on, on having a plethora of internal studios that handle their stuff. Sony, in the last decade or so, have said, like, we can do that too. And they've got this incredible family of studios making games for them. But when they're not, or when something gets delayed, they can go, like, Call of Duty, Battlefront, GTA, bring your exclusive stuff over to us. So you need one or the other of those things. The third thing that people have been trying to do the last few years is basically say, how do we get the success of mobile games on the TV? And no one's been able to actually nail that. You know, I think the Switch is coming closest. Uh, it's getting a few mobile ports here and there. Um, but most people play iPhone games on their phone, and then it's very hard to get them to play Angry Birds on a TV or anything like yeah, that. To me, it's like, what could one of these more niche consoles bring that all the mainstream ones yeah. aren't you know you have everything from playing on your phone to now you know vr i think is still trying to find its foothold in the mainstream uh like um audience and then mm-hmm. you have a pc or you have your playstation or mm-hmm. your xbox whatever and what else can you bring to the table or nintendo obviously uh what else can you bring to the table that's not already being done somewhere else to make it so 
everyone will want to own this. I think you need like a, yeah. another Nintendo Wii situation, right? Where they come out the gate swinging with something that's so weird and so different and feels so new. Feels to everyone. Feels to everybody, yeah. right? Like that's, you have to go, and Nintendo talked about a, a, that like blue ocean strategy, which I think Sony tried to get out on for a little while. But you have to either make every hardcore gamer in the world go, this is another thing I need, or you have to swing for some area that no one's ever explored before and go like, oh, these people didn't even know they liked video games and now they do. But I really think that's what the iPhone's for, right? Or Android. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think it's nearly impossible to break in at this point. Uh, With the landscape as it is, and especially with things moving toward a lot of digital like sales, uh, to say, here's our new console... I agree with you. It would have to be something that's like a Wii, but also what company is going to be willing to put in the investment to make something like that that doesn't already manufacture hardware, uh, have like R&D working on that sort of stuff, and also would need to, if say it was a third party like EA or Activision, will Activision, if it's EA, want to be on that console? So that's actually, that's a really good point because like there was a couple years ago there was that rumor that EA was making a box, right? Yeah. They were going to exclusively port all their games to it. But that's them saying, we don't want to sell on the combined market share of... 40 million plus 30 million plus 10 or 15 million plus PC plus iPhone. And we're going to funnel everything into this one bet. And if it tanks, our entire company goes under. And they're like, we have we have golf, t- tennis, baseball, basketball, football, space, whatever they want to throw at it. Mm-hmm. Star Wars, everything you have, uh, which is admittedly like a pretty cool lineup. Yeah. Albeit like a little all over the place. But if you took all those things, you funneled them into one box, you'd still have to convince everybody in the world that they needed those. And yeah. that would be, I mean, they're known for monopolizing things, so who could do it but them? But still, I think it would be it, a I, massive I think miscalculation. It's just such a huge gamble. Yeah. It's so, so interesting. Because sorry, I know that I'm, I'm derailing this a little bit. It's because a podcast. I, That's what we do here. It's fine. I translate Stop it to TV, right? Because yeah. there were like the main four networks, and now we see everything spread so yeah. thin across streaming, and like everyone has a TV channel now. That like, how do you get your show to mm. pot? And and so many people wanted to cut the cord, but now it's almost more expensive to have every streaming service yeah. that you're subscribing to because everyone has a streaming service. And it's so split up too. Like yeah. if you're say you say something like, I want to watch Better Call Saul. Cool. The first two seasons are on Netflix in America. The third season's on Netflix in Canada. Otherwise you have to watch them as they air on AMC week to week. But the second that ends, the third season gets moved to Netflix, but then also that licensing deal might expire right. and they disappear. And you're like and that's only in America. That's only in America. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like if you're like, I live in South America. So, oh, you're screwed. Yeah. And, and the, I think that TV is going to like sort of hit a tipping point with it. Oh, yes. I would like. I think you know games might get there eventually. They already are. If you look at like pre-order bonuses and stuff yeah. like that, you look at a game like Ubisoft launches a game. Look at Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, right. But it's, think how about you, how, how you, spread thin you could be like across all these consoles and mm-hmm. keep being so many different types of consoles. Like it's too expensive. You and not just, to to just not just one. consoles, but marketplaces too, because you have Steam and you have Origin and you have something like Jump, which is coming in, which uh, Chloe Rad wrote about, which is essentially they're trying to build themselves as the Netflix for games, uh, for indie games, and it's a totally different model, but it's also going for a very different audience than, say, AAA act like right. major. So, right. Which what I was cool. going to say is, yeah. I think that the the only way that we get an, another another box in the in the ring is that if somebody cracks that, how do you get the PC into the living room thing without like how do you how do you attract people who want to play PC games? I don't know if it's a Steam box or if it's a just a some kind of open source thing or if this is even maybe maybe this is the direction Xbox goes. They're already kind of double dipping with like games for Windows. Uh, but there are so many games out there that people get really excited about. Like, how do you get that 
into something that you can just buy over the counter. Because right. if, if you want to oh, get yeah. the piece so of gaming, you, yeah, you have to yeah. build something or you buy a, a gaming rig, but something that costs a comparable amount, which can do all the stuff that... Which is why, it's just why I think PlayStation keeps crushing it, because they figured out that perfect spot where it's like, you want indie games? We have some of those. Do you want next-gen graphics? We have those. Do you want ease of use? We have that. You can go to a store and buy a disc, or you can download directly from us. Do you want to go high-end? Yeah, well, here's a PS4 Pro. Mm -hmm. You know, it looks great in 4K. Oh, do you want to do experimental weird stuff? Here's VR. Do you want a handheld? Here's a Vita. Like, they've got every base covered, aside from, like, the, you know, kind of hacky mobile game market, but they're not really going for it, you know? It's a good thing that you have all those thoughts, because you're on a PlayStation. I know. I'm trying. I'm trying. (laughs) And, I mean, you also have just the consideration of mobile and how big that is also in the and people have tried to adapt it and whether you see something like ouya Mm. they tried and that didn't work out Uh, we've heard for years that the mobile audience is the kind of audience that plays a game for a while on your phone and everyone's always like we're going to turn them into console gamers and it's like yeah but we haven't actually seen the stats on whether or not that conversion significantly happens so i think sony goes oh well console gamers are here already We'll take care of them. And then people on iOS, they, they want it, or, and, and Android, they're like, stay here. Stay here and keep playing games. So, yeah, because I don't know. you play your mobile game when you're, like, bored on your... When you, you can't know, be on your PlayStation. Yeah, exactly. Right? And that's, I think, why you're saying, like, or someone was saying, that the Switch is sort of the best thing that can combine those because it's both. The good thing is that there are people all over the world making sure that no matter where we are, we can play video games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not rules. No, it's good stuff. I think w- when you're looking at this, what's what's curious is that you've got you got Sony, which has been making consumer electronics since the 1950s. You've got Nintendo, which has been making toys and games since the Meiji era. And you've got Microsoft, which is making so- software since the 80s. And these are all like very different backgrounds that kind of converge on on gaming. Uh, and I don't know what the, what the fourth thing would be. Like if there's a company that does kind of an X factor that's sort of out beyond that, that maybe has yeah. a different insight or a different angle. So yeah. who knows? Maybe I mean, maybe it's Oculus and they've got Facebook money behind them and who knows? Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, Clint Gilmore says, if you could make a game based on an existing TV movie franchise, what would it be? Jonathan, go. Uh, Clint has the perfect name for this. A Gilmore Girls game. Ooh. <laughs> uh, this actually like a Telltale Gilmore Girls the, well, game. <laughs> well, someone actually, uh, I was on the Kind of Funny Games cast a little bit a uh, while back to talk about Kingdom Hearts and someone asked me to pitch a Gilmore Girls game and they're like, oh, you must have been thinking about this for a while. Totally thought it up on the spot. But I would either do a dating game where essentially yeah. it's you have to pick between the, all the boys but of Stars Hollow. But would you play as Rory or Lorelai? Both. Ooh, you got you got the option. Oh, both, yeah, it's like a different game. Night, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's a second campaign. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, or, you game do, or you do or you do one. This is a tower, tower defense game where you've got to resist Luke's advances. He's so sweet. Uh, the other option, which vaguely ties into a Harry Potter idea that I have, is that you create an MMO uh, that is a... You could do it on mobile of a Harry Potter MMO where you create a student Hogwarts and you basically level them up through their seven years. Uh, and you can... You take different classes, which are different mini-games, and you basically can interact with other friends like on chat in your house or things like that. I think you could do something in that space. I would love a AAA Harry Potter game, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but that doesn't seem to happen anytime soon. Yeah. I also think you could do the same for Gilmore Girls. You can make a lot so of Gilmore Girls games. Would a Harry play. Potter game work where you just go to school there? Because obviously it's magical and everything, but so much of what makes that exciting is that there's an evil wizard trying to kill that one boy. Sure, I think you can make it a Persona-type game, though, where it's all about the relationships and your social bonds. Yeah, because so. that's what yeah. like the early books really had. That you sort of like. I remember being really pissed after Half-Blood Prince or something came out, and I was like, yeah, but who won the Hogwarts Cup? Yeah. Like, why? I don't care about, like, yeah, okay, if, Voldemort is important, but... Yeah. 
who won the Hogwarts kind yeah, of Yeah, the House like, Cup became yeah, like, yeah. whose line yeah, rules? Yeah. It's like, the points don't matter <laughs> yeah. anyway, who cares? There's, um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Wizard any, Hitler's trying to kill you. <laughs> I didn't put nearly enough thought into this question beforehand, but I came up with one. Uh, John Wick arcade game in the style of, like, Street Fighter. Oh, like a beat-em-up, but with yeah. guns? Yeah, but just, like, John Wick, like, on, like, Oh, Streets of Rage, you mean. Oh, yeah. Like, 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 an arcade, like, in an arcade, like, you're just John Wick. I'd be down with that because yeah. I, I feel like we don't we don't get nearly enough beat em up yeah. games, so that'd be cool. That's yeah. actually that is a movie tie in I could see happening. They did make a John Wick VR game, yeah. but mm-hmm. I mean that kind of we do see that where it's like, oh hey, here's a game coming out, or here's a you know here's a promotional 16 bit game. Yeah, we saw that with like Dead Island. They Scott like, hey. Pilgrim had that beat em up yeah. game, which was yeah. awesome. That was yeah, that was really that fun. did that. Yeah, Brian, what about you? Uh, I'd really like a Gambit VR game that's kind of like super hot, but where you're like charging things in your environment and grabbing them and Throw killing cards. people with them. Yeah, like it just it would be like a very stupid card throwing game. <laughs> but it'd be awesome to just sort of like a- attack people with like your weird staff and, and yeah. your glowing purple hands. Huh. I was just thinking I, I could totally go for Planet of the Apes, like just a, a game like Shadow of Mordor where it's kind of like, hey, maybe this is this is a small snippet of what makes those that those movies great. But like maybe this is, you know, rival ape ape clans or whatever you get to pick yeah. what kind of what kind of monkey you are Mordor would be awesome. an awesome model too because like just like running up buildings and stuff like that yeah. totally. it also it would be like Mordor, but all of the other creatures could climb buildings too whereas when you climb a building yeah. in that game everyone's like oh god oh, no god, you get up there crikey he's at uh, crop beans <laughs> uh all right uh harry Lozida says what game do you wish had a horse also hi terry hi well Horses? Me? Which which game needs a horse? This is a Maxim Prime. Uh, which game doesn't need a horse? Is the question. I like you. Is my answer. Just like I wish I had a horse that I could summon by like pressing triangle button. Do you mean like the, my real life. the board game life? life. No, I. Is that be like, weird if right one family now, got a like, car instead of a car? Just you like, get a horse. Press, like yeah. a button. I have a great like, new app like, for you. It's like Uber, but it's for horses. It's called Hoover. I feel like only only one rider at a time, unless you get a buggy, which costs extra. That's a Hoover XL. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I don't have a good funny follow up to that. That's perfect. No, that's the that's it. That's yeah, it. that's it. we nailed that's, it. That's yeah. our show. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I think Forza, just horse DLC. Forza, 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 horse rising, horse riding. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, all right. Um, final final question. Chris Langan says, "What are you all looking forward to the most at Comic Con? Comic Con is happening." Over. Don't I'm say so that. Tired. You've got so much to do. Tune in for so all of our Comic Con. I'm so tired. We have mm-hmm. so much coming up. Uh, this yeah. is gonna be huge. Uh, I believe knock wood. There's no wood in here. This is studio. Uh, I'm gonna be interviewing Jordan Vote Roberts, who's oh, awesome. tentatively attached to the Metal Gear movie, directed Kong Skull Island. Seems like a really cool guy. Uh, Terry, what about you? I'm going to be chained to the balcony where I'm going to be interviewing a lot of people coming through for our live stream, which I'm really excited about uh, for all that, you know, Comic-Con is a crazy big event. It's the biggest event in the entertainment space. And and it is my favorite of the year. Um, This year we're doing it like bigger than ever before. I'm so excited about our Twitter partnership where like we're going to be like at E3, we're going to be featured on that uh, front page module. I'm just so excited about the MCU panel. Um, it's mm-hmm. going to be all Infinity War. Like I, at D23, they had Infinity War, but I really think that beyond that, like it's a 90 minute panel. I think they're going to have Infinity War, Thor, Black Panther, and like every other movie, mm. maybe plus. Like I think that they're going to go all in on that. I hope we see something from Ant Man and the Wasp. I, I hope that we see something from. Um, what am I blanking on? What's the oh Captain Marvel? I hope we see Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, yeah. Like imagine if Brie Larson walked out on stage in the suit. That would be pretty good. Right? Be in Hall H. Uh, Don't do that. To me. Also, <laughs> this is the first. 
Comic-Con since this show has started going where Game of Thrones has actually been on the air oh, right. while Comic-Con is happening. So like yeah. the premiere just happened and this is going to be right before season two. So there actually could be news to come out of Comic-Con. Mm. Uh, they actually could show something that is relevant to our interests. It's yeah. not just like See, you don't oil. want it to be over. You I want know. it to start. I know. <laughs> I want it to be over and just be like, ah, oh, like the glow. That was such a great Comic-Con. Yeah. But like not yeah. have to hustle. Also, uh, I have a really cool panel. Yeah, we're, yes. we're, we're, yeah, we're getting, getting there. there. Brian, you know, you know. Brian, what about you? What are you excited about? Terry's panel. Let's hear about it. All right. Okay. It's called IGN's Game Changers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can't talk words. Thursday, July 20th, IGN's Game Changers. It is in room 7AB. Nerds win. What's next? Terry Schwartz, you're moderating it. Who's on it? What is it? So Cliffy B, Clifford Blazinski. The B Blazinski. Is going to be on it, which I'm really excited about. Uh, Gail Ann Hurd is going to be on there talking about like her experience in film uh, and also on television, obviously, with The Walking Dead. One of my favorite people, uh, Carlton Cuse, is going to be on there. You know him of Lost and Bates Motel. And then also uh, Jeff Johns agreed to be on it to talk about not only comics, but also the DCEU. So it's right. sort of like the craziest all-star dream lineup. That it is awesome. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. It's the we future got, of just nerd media, basically. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, initially, Actually, uh, Hideo Kojima was going to be on it, which also is like bananas. But unfortunately, uh, he had to drop out of Comic-Con this year. So maybe next year if this is a hit and it goes yeah. on. But I, it's it's funny because uh, I just want to get these people together to talk about their industries and like how they've changed. And I think, you know, what's interesting about having these people together is that nerd culture has become pop culture and like how have the things like VR and cinematic universes um, changed the industry as we know it and where is it going next and I think all these people can speak across all those mediums so I just can't wait to see yeah it. that'll yeah. be, that'll be awesome. huge that yeah. is uh, again that's Thursday night from 5 to 6 p.m. in Ruben, room 7AB so and go I, see that I will say we can't live stream that panel uh, but there will be clip outs on our live show and we are going to be able to run after uh, I think so starting Friday we'll be able to put the full panel up online okay. awesome out. cool sweet uh, and there's a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Joshua Yale's doing one. Uh, Lana's doing one. There's a bunch of posts about that up on IGN.com. Uh, please watch our Comic-Con stuff. It's going to be huge. It's going to be great. We're going to be there running around very crazy and seeing lots of cool stuff. Uh, you can find us all on Twitter. I'm Max Scoville. You're at Terry underscore Schwartz. Terry underscore Schwartz. Agent Bizzle over here. And then, of course, J.M. Dornbush. Yep. The law offices thereof. <laughs> uh, and uh, that's our show for you. Uh, head on over to Facebook.com slash group slash Podcast Beyond. And, of course, subscribe to us on YouTube, YouTube.com slash IGN Beyond. We love you very much. Have a wonderful week. The end. Goodbye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.